For some weeks now, we've been on the subject on Sunday mornings, we're calling the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation. We'll go to Psalm 133 and look at our text again. But this is very significant part of the New Testament. This is the purpose of redemption, is for man, you and I, to be reconciled to God. In uh, Psalm 133, verse 1, he said, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And that is the truth. Boy, when you're all in, in one place and, and one accord, and there's no strife and no bickering and no fussing and no competition, none of that, it's a taste of heaven on earth. It really is. He said, verse 2, it's like the precious ointment on the head. That's a type of the Holy Spirit and the anointing that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. Verse 3, it's like the dew of Ermon and the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. So we see unity, we see anointing, and we see blessing. These are connected. Now by contrast, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, how unpleasant and bad it is for people to be at each other's throats and strife and fighting. War is strife to the the ultimate. War is strife manifested in its full measure. And uh, a lot of people, especially people that have experienced something, have said uh, war is hell. And that's not far off. It's a taste of hell. Violence unchecked. Destruction unchecked. It's awful. Awful. And it's not of God. God is not the destroyer. He's not the killer. He's not the thief. There's a devil. His name is the destroyer. And he's always trying to start, instigate, and perpetuate strife. In James 3, we looked at this some time back about how that uh, where there's uh, strife and envy, there's every evil thing manifested. The Lord said to me some years ago, he said, uh, that's the manifest presence of the devil. And he warned me about it, not to allow it in our offices, in the ministry and church offices, he said, because you'd have the devil manifesting on the church grounds. That we're not to allow it. Well, you're not to allow it in your house. Is that right? Or whatever you have control over. And of course, uh, how many have have realized it's easy to say that? (laughs) But there will be push and temptation and pull to fuss to fight, whether it's a little bit of um, uneasiness or just all-out furniture breaking and, and, and cussing, <laughs> you might say, oh, "No, yeah, Christians do have done this and do this." 
You can yield to your flesh. You know, even though you're born again, you got a will, free will. You can yield to whatever you choose to. Not smart if you do, but you can. Now go with me to 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature or creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This is on the inside, the inner man, not on the outside. When you get born again, your body didn't become a new creation. And your mind didn't become a new creation. That's why immediately Romans 12 talks about we need to get our mind renewed. But your spirit, the inner man of your spirit, became a new creation. Verse 18, all things are of God. That's on the inside. Who has what? Reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Now the word reconcile means to restore to uh, friendship. Our fellowship. It implies you were at odds. You there was animosity, there was ill will between you. But if you've been reconciled, that's gone. And now you are restored. You are at one again and restored to friendship and fellowship and peace instead of fighting. Well, all of us had sinned and come short of the glory of God. From Adam right on down to every human being with the exception of Jesus. Had uh, yielded to wrong things and was at enmity with God. We were at odds with God. And the sad thing about it, couldn't fix it ourselves. Did not have the means, the ability to get back in fellowship with God like Adam and Eve had before the fall. But Jesus, hallelujah, came and took our place and bore the judgment for all of our sins and transgressions and his sacrifice removed the handwriting of ordinances that was against us and made the way For us to be reconciled to the Father and to be in union and fellowship, full, unhindered, unrestricted fellowship with Him as if we had never sinned. Woo! Somebody say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's the greatest thing that has ever happened for you and ever will happen for you. Everything else pales in comparison. He's reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. And as soon as you get right with God, you got a job. (laughs) Did you see it? You got a ministry. Some say, oh, no, I'm not in the ministry. Well, then you're not a Christian. Well, I'm not a preacher. Nobody said anything about being a preacher. Every believer has this ministry. The ministry of what? Of a reconciliation is you should care enough about people who are still at odds with God that you want them, you want what happened for you to happen for them. Right? You want them to come in out of the cold, out of sin, 
out of separation from God and get all the way in. So we have, every believer now has this ministry of reconciliation, verse 19, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to him, has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Keep going. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Somebody say it out loud. I am an ambassador for Christ. You An ambassador is one who is authorized and sent to speak on behalf of the sender. If somebody didn't believe in God, was at odds with God, and Jesus was standing right in front of them, what would he tell them? He would say, look, the Father's not against you. He doesn't hate you. No matter what you've done. I have paid the price for everything you did. All you've got to do is acknowledge this. Humble yourself. Repent. Come receive what I've done for you. (laughs) Let me help you. Let me be your Lord. Well, if he's in the flesh, he would tell them that kind of thing. He's not standing here in the flesh, but he sent you. I said he sent you. He sent all of us. To pray them in Christ's stead or place. What is our, our, our call to them? Be you, be reconciled to God. So say it out loud. Be reconciled to God. What, what does that mean? Be, be restored to favor and fellowship with him. Like God intended man to have. Even all the way back to Genesis. But now, some have implied that since Jesus has already paid the price for everybody to be reconciled, that they already are. But if everyone is already reconciled to God, there is no ministry of reconciliation. There is no need for us to ask people and even plead with them, get right with God. Because In some people's minds, they already are right with God because of what Jesus has done. The price has been paid. The work has been done. But if they haven't received it, they're still at odds with God. Now, if you don't believe that, I urge you, get your nose in the book. If everybody's already reconciled to God, no matter what they say or do, There's no need preaching evangelistic messages. Because even if they don't even believe in God, they'll still be reconciled. It's not true. It's not true. Jesus warned that there'd be many that, that would follow a false way and go to destruction. And relatively few that would go the, the straight and narrow way of the truth. It's just not true. God has reconciled the world to himself by what Jesus has done. But you don't have to look far to see the world is not in fellowship with God. Oh, dear me. What? People people in fellowship with God don't blaspheme God. They don't disrespect the Lord Jesus. No. So it's simply not true. It has been done. Jesus doesn't need to do another thing. To pay for anybody's sin and failure and mistake, it has been done. When he said, it is finished, 
It is finished. But you still have to receive it. And you still have to receive him as Lord. And after you've received him as Lord and walk with him, if you violate light, if you violate your conscience, you need to come and receive cleansing. It's not that the Lord needs to do something else, but you need to receive it or elsewise your own heart will bother you. And that will hinder your fellowship with him. It's not that God the Father needs to do something else or Jesus needs to do something else, but it's that we need to receive it. Be reconciled to God. That's our message. Get right with God and stay right with God. Even as a believer, we talked about this to some extent. Even though we're born again, all things have passed away, all our sins are washed away. If you decide to yield to wrong spirits and hang out with God's enemies, is that going to affect your fellowship with him? Doesn't mean you're lost. Doesn't mean God don't like you anymore. It just means, well, how do you feel about it? Husbands, wives, your spouse decides they just want to spend more time with their old boyfriends or girlfriends. (laughs) You cool with that? You okay? (laughs) I think you'd be harsher than him about this. We, we don't lose our will because we got saved. We, we can still yield to anything we choose to, and that's an issue. Go with me in the New Testament to the book of uh, Romans, 12th chapter, and 14. tell you, for time's sake, skip down to verse 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. God prohibits us from paying people back. This is not the only verse where you see this. We are commanded not to take vengeance. The Lord says, vengeance is mine. I'll pay them back. And if you really don't like them, that's what you want anyway. (laughs) You're like, oh, let God deal with them. (laughs) Because if they don't repent, that's worse than anything I could ever do. (laughs) Of course, if you care about them, and you should, you don't want to see them judged. You want to see them repent. But we are forbidden, we are commanded not to try to get back at people. Did y'all hear me or not? Man, if we ignore this, it is to our own detriment. You, you open up access of the enemy to your life when you go down the road of vengeance and payback. And a lot of times people don't say it. But you can see that look in their eye. Got you in my little book. I will get you. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. But I am watching you. (laughs) That is like an unsaved person. You're acting like an unbeliever. (laughs) 
Say that. I want you to say that out loud. I am, I am forbidden, forbidden to pay people back. To pay people back. Talking about vengeance. You know, I'm, I'm forbidden. Verse 18. If it be possible, now listen to this phrase. If it be possible, say that out loud. If it be possible. What does that mean? It, it may not be possible. Now, you don't see language like this all the time in the scriptures. It may be possible. It may not be possible. Most things you should not talk that way. But here the scripture says, if it be possible, as much as lies in you, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Why would, they, why would he say, if it be possible? Because it's not all up to you. It's not all up to you. If it be possible, as much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. Verse 19, see he says it again. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy hunger, say good enough for you. (laughs) Now, if they're an enemy, that means they've done bad stuff against you. But if they're hungry, what do you do? Feed them. them. Not poison them, feed feed them. (laughs) <laughs> if they're thirsty, do what? Give them drink. In so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on his What does that mean? <laughs> It'll be rough on them to take that water from you. To take that food from you, it'll be tough. But they're hungry. Verse 21, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Back in verse 18, if it's possible... As much as lies in you or with you, as much as it's within your ability or your choice or your power, live peaceably with everybody. In other words, if it was all up to you, then at home, on the job, at school, everywhere would just be a peaceful place. Should be. I said should be. But why would you say that? Now, one reason we talk, if you'll notice, we're talking about being reconciled to God and being reconciled to your fellow man. And the reason we talk about it is because they overlap and the principles are the same. And uh, one of the greatest truths about our existence and about this life and about our future is that what happens with us is not all up to God. There's a lot of people scoff and mock about this. I've had people, I've had preachers put their finger in my face and say, oh, when God gets ready for you to do something, by God, you'll do it. One fellow told me. I said, no, no, he's not going to make you do anything. If 
we, if God used his vast power to make us do what he wants us to do, which he could, <laughs> without hardly doing anything, he could just look at you and say half a syllable, and you'd go, yes, sir. <laughs> but you wouldn't be a human being. You'd be something else. Do you see this? You'd be something else. You wouldn't be what we are, what he made us to be. Because you cannot have real love, real faith, real submission and obedience, unless you got real free choice, free will. Somebody chooses to love you when they can do something else, you know it's real. They choose to believe in you when they could do something else, then it's real. And that's only that's the only kind the Father will have. And so He allows us human beings to refuse Him. To reject Him. He's making this offer to the entire planet every moment of every day. Be reconciled to me. Come come in fellowship with me. Now in order to do that, you'll have to acknowledge that he exists. You'll have to acknowledge he's God. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. You'll have to acknowledge you've been going the wrong way. And you need to repent. You'll have to humble yourself. Acknowledge your need for salvation. And receive what Jesus has done. Millions refuse to do this. They refuse to be reconciled to God. And he won't make them. Well, if he won't make them be reconciled to him, why would we think we could make them be reconciled to us? And so it's not all up to us. And this is one of the, this can be one of the most heartbreaking things in life. Is that you see folks going the wrong way, unwilling to change, and you, you so want for them to, for it to be better, but they can choose to ignore. They can choose to refuse. Look with me in Psalm 81. You hear something in the heart of God that should make an imprint on you. Psalm 81, I'm reading in the Good News translation, you can read whichever you got. Psalm 81, 8, he said, uh, listen, my people, to my warning, Israel, how I wish you would listen to me. Do you hear the heart of the Father? How I wish you would listen to me. Now this applies to all of his people. How I wish you would listen to me, he says. You must never worship another God. You know, you don't have to bow down to a stone statue to practice idolatry. The Bible said covetousness is idolatry. Your personal success can be your God. 
There are any number of ways to serve another God instead of him. He said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Open your mouth and I will feed you. Did you know God wants to feed you? Good things. But, listen, verse 11. But my people would not listen to me. Israel would not obey me. Uh, uh, Another translation says, they would none of me. I guess the King James says, another translation said, they desire none of me. They, They don't want me. They don't want me. The scripture said, Jesus came unto his own, and what? They didn't want him. They received him not. And there, there are millions all over the planet doing that very same thing today. They don't want him. When I first began in ministry, Phyllis and I almost 40 years ago, maybe 38 is more accurate, I was convinced of what the scripture says in Hosea, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. I thought, well, that's it. That's the big deal. People are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. They're just ignorant. And so, you know, uh, the truth will make you free. So that's the big thing. But a few years into it, I began to realize there was other problems besides the being ignorant. And, And I realized I had left off the last half of that verse. That same verse in Hosea, it said, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. That's not the end of the verse. The rest of the phrase says, because you have rejected knowledge. You have rejected it. That's the big problem. Is people have, millions have heard the truth. They don't want it. They don't like it. And, and that we can't fix. God won't force them to accept what would save them. We can't. We still got the ministry of reconciliation. And if somebody shuts you down or cusses you out, don't bring up that God stuff to me anymore. You go, next? How about you? <laughs> You go, you change your mind, you know where I'm at. <laughs> but next, and don't fall off your chair and act like, oh, they, you know, they've rejected me. No, they did something much worse than reject you. They rejected him. The Bible said, go into all the world, proclaim the good news to everybody, everywhere. He that believes is baptized will be saved. He that believes not won't be saved. Will everybody be saved? No, they won't. No, they won't. And it won't be God's fault. It's because human beings decide they don't want him. Well, if you don't want him, you don't want heaven. And there's only one other place to go. And it wouldn't be him that sent you there. It was your choice. He said, my people wouldn't listen to me. They would none of me. So, verse 12, I let them go their stubborn ways 
to do whatever they wanted. That's why the world's in such a mess. Not because God has orchestrated all this chaos and death and destruction. It's because human beings, by and large, have rejected him. Millions of them saying they don't even believe he exists. And he allows them to go their own stubborn ways and do whatever they want to do for a little while. For a little while. He said, how I wish my people would listen to me. Do you hear the heart of God? Does he want to see this death and destruction? First Peter in the New Testament, he says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come, what? To repentance, the knowledge of him. How I wish my people would listen to me. How I wish they would obey me. How I would quickly defeat their enemies and conquer all their foes. And those that hate me would bow in fear before me. Their punishment would last forever. But I'd feed you with the finest wheat and satisfy you with wild honey. I'd load your wagon with good things if you'd just listen to me. I mean, the further Phyllis and I go in ministry, and I believe we're maturing a little bit as we go. That's how we feel. We, we see younger ones. And, and our heart goes out to them. You could see how it could be so much better. How you, you could get out of that trouble. You, things could be fixed so quick. If. You'd listen. But I've had people. You know me pleading with them. Because the Lord had me praying for them. Half the night before. About not doing something. And, and me pleading with them. I've had people look me in the eye. And go no I'm going to do it. I mean I. I've told a minister before. This, this kind of thing's happened more than one time. I said, you do that. You'll lose your family. You'll lose your church. You'll lose your finances. You'll lose your health. Now, a lot of people say, oh, Brother Keith, if you ever get anything, you know, please tell me. A lot of times you really can't. They say that, but. But if the Lord deals with you to do it, you should do it whether they want to hear it or not. Right? And this, this has happened to me. I'm thinking of two different individuals. They looked at me and they said, well, I've made up my mind. I said, I see that. And they did it. And sadly, it happened just like the Lord said. They lost it all. But the Lord will let you do whatever you decide to do. Did you hear that phrase? As much as lies with you. Live in peace with everybody. But it's not all up to you. If it was all up to God. This place would be heaven on earth. If it was all up to God. He'd wind this thing up. Is that right? New heavens and new earth would be manifest. No more devil. No more curse. No more hate, no more strife, no more war, no more disease, no more confusion and mental anguish. If it was all up to God. That's why it irritates me when I hear people blame God for all the junk that's going on in the earth. No, it's because people are so stubborn and hard-headed. That's why it is the way it is. No. But if you're a smart one. Out of the billions down here. There's a few smart ones. Because the only reason they're smart. Because of the mercy and grace of God. But. 
<laughs> but if you're one of them, then you have willingly and gladly bowed your knee. Hallelujah to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you have a desire to be reconciled to the Father. You want to be right with Him and close with Him. Hallelujah. And you can, even in the midst of all this curse and junk, you can experience some days of heaven. Now you're, It's not all heaven, but some days and times of heaven, even on the earth. And, and, and do what he put you down here to do. And then soon and very soon, out of here. Out of here. Never to have to deal with this again. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Let, let me just remind you of some of these things. Jer- don't turn there, but just listen. Jeremiah 6, 16. Jeremiah 6, 16. The Lord said, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where's the good way? And walk therein. You'll find rest to your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. We won't do it. In Isaiah 30, uh, the Lord said, uh, uh, in returning and rest, 3015, in returning and rest, you'll be saved. In quietness and confidence will be your strength. And you would not. You wouldn't have it. In Luke 13, you'll see this in more than one place, Jesus looked over Jerusalem. In Luke 19, it says he wept over the city. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which kills the prophets and stones them that are sent to you. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you would not. You wouldn't have it that way. This is the biggest problem on the planet. Period. Anything else, God can fix. But if you harden your heart and you stiffen your neck, the proverb says you'll be destroyed without a cure, without a remedy. What does that mean? There's no fix. Only you can fix that. If you get bent in your heart and mind, You harden your heart. You stiffen your neck. Nobody can tell you what to do. There's no fix for that. There's no cure for that. You can't be helped. You could repent and God could help you just like that. How many believe God could heal anything? Physically. He can restore anything. Mentally. Emotionally. Solically. He can do anything. Financially, is that right? There's nothing he can't fix. Except that he won't fix. He'll let you do that. We should be quick to believe. Quick to repent. Is that right? Quick to humble ourselves. The Bible said God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. I don't want to get resisted. I want help. Right? Well, the proud don't get help. The proud get resisted. Now, listen to this. Hosea 4, 16. I know this is kind of a sober subject, but it is the Bible, isn't it? And you need to know what you can do and what you can't do. 
in relationships. Some things are heartbreaking, but they're not in your control. God won't make them, and you can't. Now, as long as there's breath, there's hope, right? That they'll change, that they'll repent. So you don't give up praying for them. But there's some things you may need to stop talking to them about. And realize you're not the only one God can use to talk to them. A lot of times people don't like listening to their relatives. A lot of times they wouldn't acknowledge it even though they think it's right because it's you. (laughs) And you need to know when to hush. And have faith and trust God to use somebody else. There's a time to leave them alone. Come on, say it out loud. There's a time to leave them alone. Did you know there were situations that Jesus wouldn't even talk to people? Remember Herod? Remember that situation? I mean, he's, he's a man in authority. Jesus didn't answer him a word. Didn't even respond to him. There's a time to talk and there's a time not to. He said Israel slides back on this occasion as a backsliding heifer. That's where we get our term backslid. <laughs> it's true. Now the Lord will feed them as a lamb in a large place. Verse 17. The Lord says Ephraim is joined to his idols. Let him alone. Leave him alone. You know Jesus said concerning in Matthew 15. He said uh, concerning the Pharisees. His disciples came and said, did you know the Pharisees were offended at what you said? <laughs> in verse 13, is Matthew 15, 13, Jesus said, oh, no. <laughs> that didn't sound like him, does it? Then it shouldn't sound like you either. Jesus said, every plant my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They're blind leaders of the blind. If the blind lead the blind, both of them fall in the ditch. He said, leave them alone. Leave them alone. Titus 3.10. There are so many elements to this and so many parts of people's hearts we don't know. And we don't know, most people, we don't know all their history and we certainly don't know their future. The only way to get things right is to be led by the Spirit. That's the only way. You can't just make rules about what to say and how to say it and how long and all this. There are times the Lord will prompt you, bring this up, talk about it. There are other times He'll say, leave them alone. Leave them alone. Titus 3.10, a man that is an heretic, after the first and second admonition, reject. Look at the NIV on that. Warn a divisive person once. Then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. Is this Bible? Is this New Testament? There are times, if you let it, people will take up your time 
And all that's going to result is arguing and fussing. And you'll be further from it when you get through than before you started. Because you weren't led. The Spirit, if you'd listened to the Spirit of God or I'd listened to Him, He would have dealt with us. Don't even bring it up. You just leave them alone right now. Because if, you don't, if a person doesn't have ears to hear it, if they got no desire for it, it's just an irritation to them. And the more you harden yourself against it, the worse shape you get in. So they don't need to hear it a bunch of unnecessary times and just get harder and harder for no reason. There's time and there's space to repent. In Revelation 2.21, don't go there. This concerning those that had, you know, rebelling against God, doing evil and bad things. He said, I gave her space to repent of her fornication and she repented not. The Amplified says, I gave her time to repent, but she has no desire to repent of her immorality and refuses to do so. The New Century says, I've given her time to change her heart and turn away from her sin, but she does not want to change. She does not want to change. Phyllis and I, a few years ago, we're endeavoring to help a married couple that were having a lot of problems. And uh, an elder minister who had a lot of experience in this thing, he was talking to us because they had talked to him too. And uh, he said to, I believe it was to you, he said, uh, you want it more for them than they want it. And that doesn't work. <laughs> Phyllis told me and we both thought, man, that's the truth. You can want something for somebody much more than they want it. And it doesn't work. That doesn't work. If they don't want it. And instead of you being grieved all the time. Losing your joy. Losing your peace. And actually becoming a poor witness. One of the worst witnesses there is. Is a depressed Christian. It's a bad witness. Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy and gladness above all his brethren. If you're going to be like the master, well, there's stuff he could have been depressed about. All that junk the Pharisees and Sadducees were doing. Is that right? All the junk that was going on in the temple, all the junk that was going on in the country, he could have been sober and serious about all of that all the time. But then little kids wouldn't have wanted to run up to him and hang on to him. Little kids don't like grumpy people. And little kids love Jesus. The disciples were trying to peel them off of him. And he said, you leave them alone. Let them come. They just cover him up. Why? Because Jesus is fun. He's not depressed. He's not mean. He's not mad and bitter and sad. He's full of joy and peace and has the victory. How can you do that when there's so much trouble, when there's so many bad things? You need to realize how much of it is above your pay grade. You've got to acknowledge how much of it is just out of your control and beyond you. And do what the Lord told you to do. Cast all of your care over on him 
And do what you know to help people, but then when there's an impasse and they don't want to hear, you, you, you need to leave them alone and, and turn them over to him in his hands. Amen. Ask him to deal with them. Work in their heart, but don't try to take the responsibility for everybody's lives on your little narrow shoulders. Because you just ain't built to handle that. And you cannot fix it because you want to. As much as lies with you. What does that mean? It's not all up to you. As much as lies with you. You, you do. If they want it, you're ready. Let's, let's get it right. But if they don't, God won't make them. You should quit trying to make them. Right? There's a time. Look in Revelation 10. Revelation 10. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. This is something that uh, I heard preached years ago as a boy that I assumed. But then a few years ago the Lord helped me to see that's not what it meant. In Revelation 10 and 6. This is revealing what's happening in our future. Said he swear by him that lives forever and ever. Who created heaven. And the things that therein are. And the earth and the things that therein are. And the sea and the things that are therein. How many believe that somebody created the heavens. And the earth. And the sea. Everything. That alone. If you believe Genesis 1. In the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. If you believe Genesis 1-1, you are way down the road. If you got no problem with that, the Bible can be an open book to you. But if you reject that, it's a closed book to you. If God created all of this, and we all, we've only seen it in its fallen state, but if he created, uh, Phyllis and I were looking at a sunset the other day, and uh, amazing, just amazing. And you think about, I mean, it had been hot that day, and you could feel the heat of it. It's 95 million miles away. <laughs> a thousand miles a long ways. I mean, you know, 3,000 miles from Florida to New York. That's a long ways. You can't see anything from there. That's just a few thousand, not a million, not 10 million, 95 million. And it'll burn your face. <laughs> you wouldn't want to be 80 million miles away from it, would you? What kind of being can make that? And he made billions of them. That's who... Our Father is. We should live in awe of Him. We should show deference and respect to Him. Shouldn't we? Well, this said, He declared that there should be time no longer. I've heard people say, there will come a time when time shall be no more. And they're saying, time will stop existing. I don't know of anywhere in the scripture that actually says that. This says there won't be any more delay. 
there won't be any more time. Read the rest of it. That's not the end of the sentence. Verse 7 says, In the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he'll begin to sound, the mystery of God shall be finished. That's what there's no more time for. And he has declared to his servants, the prophets. Listen to the BBE. It says, There will be no more waiting. But in the days of that seventh angel, the secret of God will be complete, of which he gave the good news to his servants, the prophets. Uh, Different ones say, the time is up. Didn't say, time will cease to exist. That's a big statement. And you need in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Right? And if you look up the language, that's not what it means. What does it mean? First Peter tells us, That, you know, God is not slack, as some men count slackness. People say, well, where is his coming? Things are the same as they've been for centuries. Peter tells the Spirit of God through him, it's because God is so long-suffering. If he came today, right now, there's billions will have no more time to repent. Can you see that? No more time. Remember he talked about the woman called Jezebel and all her stuff. He gave her time and space to repent. This is a gift, my friend. Time and space to repent, to get it right. It's a gift. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. We have the rest of this day. It's a gift. The rest of this week, the rest of this month. What does that mean? More time. For somebody to get it right. More time for even the most hard-hearted and hard-headed to wake up and go, what am I doing? What am I doing? And to come to God and to be reconciled to God. More time. Right? For us to talk to anybody that wants to listen. Get right with God. Not tomorrow. Today. Right? You don't know about tomorrow. You don't know about tomorrow night. You don't, we don't know. Get right today. We're told before this 24-hour period is done today, 155,000 people will die somewhere across the planet. 155,000. Every, almost every second, two more. They're leaving here by the scores of thousands every few hours. In a few days, you and I are going to leave here. You shouldn't be scared about that if you're a believer. If you're not a believer, you need to get right. Today. I mean, you you, you need to be ready to go. Do you know how long it takes to die? You stop breathing. Basically, that could be it right there. Your functions carry on for a few minutes unless you get some machines, but you could be out of there just like that. You need to be ready to go 24-7. You need to be ready to go when you lay your head on the bed. You need to be ready to go when you get up in the morning. You need to be ready to go when you get behind the wheel of a car. You need to get ready to go. Now you're believing for protection. Don't misunderstand me. But you need to be ready to go. We live in a dangerous place. This world is full of all kinds of stuff. And the fact that we make it through another day, another week, is the Lord's mercy and His protection and His keeping.
But one of the most important things about another day is that it is time to get right. Time to get right. I've, I've prayed for many along this line. Go to 1 Timothy, and I'll close with this, I think. Well, you didn't expect me to guarantee it, did you? I mean, <laughs> no, no guarantees. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. This is 2 Timothy and the second chapter. 2 Timothy 2. I've prayed this prayer over numerous people. In fact, Phyllis and I have prayed this prayer over many strangers. If you're out on the road or something, you see a car wreck, you see bodies laying there, you see the ambulance working on them. One of the first things I think about, what about you? Are they ready to go? Right? Are they ready to go? If they're ready to go, dying is not the worst thing that will ever happen to you. If they're not ready to go. That's tragedy of tragedies. And so we pray Lord. Have mercy on them. Especially if they don't know you. If they're not ready to go. One of the greatest things you can ask for. Is some more time. Lord. Give them some more time. Give them some more opportunity. To get to know you. And you know the Lord will do things. Just because you ask him to. He will. I mean he's not willing that any should perish. So you're not having to try to twist his arm, talk him into something. He wants you to ask him these kind of things. And if there's people that have gotten away from God or just forsaken him and done all kind of things that they shouldn't do, this is a prayer you can pray. Like we said, as long as there's breath, there's hope. People can change. They can repent. There will come a time when there will be no more time. There will come a time when the Father says, that's it. That's it. This, this thing is closing. And we're going to the next thing. And at that point, the space to repent and time and opportunity to repent is no more. You and I are living in a, a very vital time, aren't we? When there is time. There's opportunity. I mean, the gospel has never been preached like it's been preached with satellite and, and the internet. I mean, I mean, it's going around the world. Just is that right? Instantaneously, and, and people have opportunity everywhere to hear the word of God, yeah. to hear about Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. Many of them are rejecting Him, True. but they're hearing. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Our job, we, we're not in control of all that, yeah. but our job is to send it, yes, sir. and to keep telling people, yeah. "Come on, <laughs> what you waiting on?" <laughs> You may not have tomorrow. Get yourself in here. Heaven is a nice place. Woo. And just living with us is amazing. Is that right? (laughs) Besides having your own mansion. And of course living with him is the big deal. But this is what you can pray. In verse uh, 23, chapter 2, 2 Timothy 2.23. Foolish and unlearned questions avoid. Knowing that they do gender what? Strives, argument, fussing, and fighting. There's a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of it's pride. People are proud of how intellectual they are. They're proud of how much they think they know. There's a lot of stuff, if you check your heart, 
The Lord will check you before you ask a question or you bring up a subject. The Spirit of God will check you. No, don't bring that up. Why? Because it ain't going to go well. (laughs) Right? And y'all can wrestle with this thing for the next two hours. And when you're done, you'll be in worse shape than if you hadn't talked about it at all. If we'll pay attention to him and not talk too quickly and too much and not move too fast, he'll check us and go, you you catch yourself in mid-sentence. You say, I wanted to talk to you about, hmm, okay, about what's for supper. (laughs) You, You can catch yourself and really maybe prevent a big blowout, a big fight. You especially need to watch this around Thanksgiving, yes. Christmas, is that right? Yes. Visiting with relatives and all these kind of things. You're there for what? A day? Two? Three. A few? Right? Why you got to bring up everything and deal with everything right now? You don't. You don't. They gender strife. Verse 24. The servant of the Lord must not strive. Are you the Lord's servant? Yes. But be gentle. To all, apt to teach, patient, in meekness. Everybody say meekness. Meekness. Instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Look at this next part. That they may recover themselves out of the snare and trap of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So many are in such bad bondage. And all they have to do to get out is just repent. Come humble themselves before the Lord and repent. And the anointing would manifest. And the yoke would be destroyed. Hallelujah. And the burden removed. You can pray this prayer for your relatives. For your friends. Even when the Lord tells you, well, just leave them alone. Don't bring it up. Don't talk about them. You still can, I know, and you care about them, and you want to see them change in the privacy of your bedroom. They don't ever have to hear it or know it. You can say, Father, as long as there's, you can quote me, Brother Keith said, (laughs) as long as there's breath, there's hope. Right? (laughs) And, uh, and I know, I know you care about them. I know you're not willing that they should perish. I'm asking you, Lord, for time and space and opportunity for them to repent. I'm asking you to enlighten the eyes of their heart and mind and give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. What will the truth do for you? It, it, it'll set you free. It'll make you free. Pray this prayer over your loved ones, your friends, your fellow workers, even if you can't talk to them about things, you can do this. And this is powerful. The Lord will hear your prayer. He'll do this. He'll enlighten them. He'll bring people across their path. You can pray that too. Lord, bring laborers across their path. Maybe they don't listen to me, but they'll listen to some. There's somebody. You know that they would, at least for a moment, listen to. And he'll bring them right to it, to that place of enlightenment and understanding. He won't make them receive Jesus. But if they decide not to and harden their heart again, it ain't over. Is that right? As long as there's breath, there's hope. 
What are we going to do? We're going to pray the same prayer over them again. Is that right? And if the Lord will hear it. He'll bring them right. Give them another opportunity. Another place. Hallelujah. And our prayer and desire is that we see a lot more people in heaven with us than the devil intended on. Come on, stand up on your feet. Let's give praise to the Lord. Thanks to Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just lift our hands and thank the Lord in, 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 in our lives. A lot of you even know somebody prayed for you. Is that right? Most of us even know about some of them. Somebody prayed. Are you thankful that somebody prayed for you? Somebody was willing to talk to you. Somebody's willing to help you. Thank you, Lord. So as you help us, we'll do this for others. Praise God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.